Hello, and welcome to my favorite number episode of Crying in the Book Club, episode 16, which is my favorite number. I'm your host, Jean-Luc. I'm glad I got to host this one, because uh, I would have been sad if I had to interject during a, somebody else's intro saying, wow, that's my favorite number. Uh, but I'm joined, as always, by Alex. Hello. Wow. And Emily. Hello. I did mess up the number on our Zencaster room. Is this not 16? Oh, this is it says 16. Fi- it, says, uh, it says 15. It's supposed to say 16. It's because I copied it from the last oh. episode. <laughs> okay, so I didn't even notice that. I wasn't like doing a bit about how like you a passive aggressive bit about how you fucked up. I didn't up. think no. you were being passive aggressive. I was just sheepishly admitting that I fucked up. I was would, I was owning it. It would have been a good mistakes. bit. Oh no, six I, I never do that. But no, sixteen actually is my favorite number. It wasn't like I wasn't doing a call out, so for some reason I thought you were gonna say sixty nine and I'm like, but this isn't close to that. I also was like, wait, there. you're not on episode sixty nine. Yeah. That's in a few weeks. Come on few weeks yeah i guess technically that's true a few weeks yeah i don't think there's like an upper limit on what a few can be no i think it's just like a minimum of three yeah right and you know i think it has to be okay yeah a small number of and you know what someday 69 will seem like a small well it already seems like a small number of podcast episodes to do if i'm being honest so you know what We'll, we'll get there and it'll be a small number that's inspirational that's exciting. Wow. Whew. I'm glad you're what hosting will, this what episode. What would you do for episode 69? What's that dog shit bondage comic that everybody loved for like five years uh, at Image? Sunstone. Sunstone. Yeah, that's it. Did it run Did it run that long? Can we do Dick Fight Island? I don't know what that is, but I'm going to go ahead and say probably. Dick Fight Island is a manga, and I've heard that it's actually uh, good. Okay. <laughs> is is Sex Criminals good? Zadarsky and Fraction one? No, it's horrible. Mm. Wait, really? No, Sex Girls is awesome. I haven't read it, so surprised. I don't know. Oh, I thought you... Okay, wait, have neither of you read Sex Girls? Uh, I read the first issue. Oh my god, okay. Yeah. We gotta put that on the list then. Yeah, it has one of my all t- It has one of my all-time... F- yeah, we should actually do that for episode 69. It has like one of my all-time favorite panels in comics. And it's in the... I think it's in... I don't remember what issue it's in, but it's definitely like within the first two volumes, so... We'll, mm. we'll have enough but anyway we shouldn't do the planning live on the show <laughs> but if you if you're looking forward to episode 69 uh chip Zdarsky and matt fractions sex criminals you can email us at cryingbookclub at gmail.com with questions wow. for that show and yeah. um, i will definitely forget about them in four years when that episode actually gets recorded but you don't you do not give yourself enough credit john luke yeah that's true i probably I- would click that little star in the gmail app and that way i would remember i would make email. a folder called sex criminals questions emails no just wow. sex criminals <laughs> emails is just the folder yeah that would be great that would be awesome you're going away but that's okay wow but you know what isn't going away this podcast what? superman <laughs> oh actually just kidding he went away for like 10 years that fucking loser uh yeah. but only not in, not in the actual DC universe, but in the universe of Mark Wade and Alex Ross's Kingdom Come, which is the subject of today's episode. Oh shit! Okay, did you read it, Alex? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I have the book. I have the book. <laughs> okay, I I have the book too, and I haven't read it for like five years, and I'm here to talk about it. So you didn't read it for the show? 
Of course not. No, I'm kidding. I had it for the show. I, I will take I will take like you any can't excuse lie to, ruin... to me. I'm autistic. <laughs> I'll just think you said the truth. I think that makes it funnier to lie to you. I have the book also. Um, let the record show that Emily does in fact have the hardcover book. <laughs> I I will take any excuse to read Kingdom Come, and in fact, I read it and then I read it two more times because I'm like, damn, this shit slaps. This was my idea. Wait, this. The, the, yeah. Reading this book. Uh, do you oh. remember why? I don't actually remember why. Uh, the reason I chose this book is because I, when I was in high school, would see in my local comic book shops, because there were a couple in the, the area that I lived in, I would see these action figures for Kingdom mm. Come. And I was just so like compelled by like the, the image and the designs. And I was like, what is this? But I never ended up reading it uh, because I had undiagnosed ADHD. So like I was what thinking of stuff to put on here and I was like, well what the heck? I've never read this. So that this is Oh my god. And I These I are have. these are sick. I mean Yeah, they're very cool. <laughs> it helps that the design that the character design we'll we'll get into the character designs more, but yeah, these are awesome. Yeah. I I, I think n- now that you mentioned that, I do remember us having this conversation off air, of yeah. course. Uh, but I don't think I ever actually looked these up, and they are predictably very good. cool. Yeah, yeah, and they just capture the the book so well. Like, there's there's a lot of action figures for like certain runs and stuff, and they just all kind of look like oh, generic kind of superhero stuff. Yeah, but this is this well, is and neat. also it helps that like the uh the backing board on like the packaging has like the art from the comic. The the so cover, like, some of the cover art. Yeah, yeah it has some oh, of the sure. cover art and like. We will talk at length about the art in this book, but it's just like, it's just so interesting to look at. So yeah, the the image of these character designs has stuck with me for like a decade. I just got to say like, you know, we will talk about it and we haven't even really introduced the book yet, but when I got to the end of the book and it, they showed a picture of the sort of main character in real life and he just looks like Alex Ross's drawing. Yeah. And it's like, Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Which is kind of his whole thing, but it's like amazing. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Kingdom Come. I have to check if this book if this episode comes out before Christmas. I hope it does because it would be very timely uh, thematically. We've got sort of a... No, it, it comes out a few days after Christmas. Ah. I I was going to say, if it, if it came out before Christmas, I'd have to... Uh, force my family members to listen to this episode of the podcast because i'm just looking at the action figures on ebay and you know <laughs> just saying hmm. maybe i'll maybe i'll release gonna, uh, a, a snip a teaser audio and tell people to tell oh people hey to hey mom and dad and, and, and lily and grandpa and grandpa um what, what, are, you, what are you guys doing <laughs> oh okay do you guys have any ideas because the whole set it there's a set of all of them on ebay for well that's a lot of money <laughs> how much, the how much set? is it okay how many do you get in it first before before you say uh, uh 11 i don't know if that's the full set but there are 11 here and it looks like probably all of them 11 i think it'd be like if if it was uh, probably like 150 bucks oh no it's missing batman oh lame i don't want it anymore is it 150 dollars it no it's it's 200 dollars See, I was gonna guess more than that. I was gonna say yeah. like two fifty. Really? These are also new in box, so that probably contributes to. Oh it. yeah. Yeah. 
it's actually not like horrible for all of those, but I don't necessarily want all some of the individual ones are expensive. The Batman is like looks like fifty bucks. Hmm. Anyway, we'll we can, we'll come back. To, we might come back to the action figures. We might not, but we'll certainly be talking about Alex Ross a lot on this epi- on this episode. Certainly. Uh, whose art, you know, inspired those lovely figures that we've been talking about. We'll maybe put some of those images in the show notes because yeah. they are really cool. Maybe um, one lucky fan will win one. And by one lucky yeah. fan, I mean Jean-Luc. This guy. He, he won one. Wow. <laughs> um, no, but uh, actually, Alex Ross is somebody that we're going to end up talking about a lot because this book was Alex Alex Ross's idea um, he was the one who came to DC editorial in the nineties with the idea for kingdom come. I believe it was in 94 and then editorial looking for a writer, uh, settled on, settled on Mark Wade lar- in large part because Mark Wade just knows a lot of shit about the DC universe, uh, which is still true. Like that is kind of like his reputation in the comics world is that, he is the guy who, if you ask him any obscure question about DC Comics lore, will know the answer. Yeah. Uh, he also has a reputation for being a very good writer on top of that. But Alex, did you have something? I was just saying he's like Jeff Johns thinks himself to be. It, yes, it's exactly. Kind of the, no, 100%, 100%. 100%. But he's too nice. He would never say anything. No, like he would that. never. Um, and that's kind of what makes it such a shame that for a little while DC tried their hardest to burn every bridge they had with Mark Wade because he is like he's their guy. But it's literally they... the biggest DC Comics fan in the world and writes <laughs> yeah. well. And they're like, well, we don't want him writing for us. Let's pretend the audience, the audience doesn't know anything about this. Uh, what did can, can we get a, a brief, uh, brief explainer on what DC did to Mark Wade? <laughs> Because I know, so, but I want to make sure everyone else knows. Sure, yeah. So there were kind of a number of things. To give a little bit of background on Mark Wade, he wrote a like a lot of comics through the 90s and the early 2000s. Kingdom Come is, is probably the most well-known one, but he had a really long run on The Flash, really long run on Justice League, uh, really long run on, on Legion of Superheroes. He wrote uh, Superman Birthright, which is one of the sort of like preeminent Superman texts. And then he, uh, he, I don't remember the exact circumstances that surrounded him leaving DC or, you know, sort of being pushed out of DC, but it was that there was like a, there, it was just in the 20, it was in the, uh, the new 52 era that much. I do remember um, and he had a lot of just, he just clashed a lot with, uh, with, with DC editorial and, you know, as with many, uh, as, as with many other writers around that time, I think like the same thing happened with like Greg Rucka and Ed Brubaker. They kind of just moved over to writing Marvel books because DC kind of alienated them, uh, during the new 52 with Mark Wade, it might've been a little bit before that. Mark Wade was it was actually during 52 which was the weekly okay. series that they sort of all worked on and that kind of broke the relationship him him, him and uh, Dan DiDio had a really I know big yeah him and Dan DiDio, yeah I didn't want to say his name specifically but I know him and Dan DiDio specifically yeah did not get along light that motherfucker yeah, yeah, yeah. up <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I, I mean, mean, might as well right Dan like, DiDio 
<clears throat> nobody really likes Danny Dio at this point. I think his reputation has been solidly drugged through the mud. Uh, it's but it's, it's even gotten worse now that he's leaving. <laughs> like the stuff he's been doing but, since but then is kind of just yeah, like, oh, yeah. 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 But Mark Wade is back at DC now that, you know, Danny Dio has been out for, I think, about 18 months to two years now. And oh, look at that. Mark Wade debuted in his first DC book in years uh, earlier in, in 2021. So. Or 2022, rather, I think. I th- I think that's when the, his uh, Batman Superman, his current Batman Superman book started. But anyway, all that is to say, he was kind of the perfect choice for Kingdom Come because of you know his knowledge and love for for the DC universe. Um, but the the genesis of the idea was Alex Ross. He wanted to so previously to Kingdom Come, Alex Ross had drawn Marvels with Kurt Busiek, who you know, funnily enough, wrote the other Superman book that we've not that kingdom come is like exclusively a Superman book, but in a lot of ways it is a Superman book. Yeah. Uh, and, and wrote, uh, secret, Ide- Superman, secret identity. I was playing on the name for a second, which is the other Superman book that we talked about. Um, but yeah, they had collaborated on a book called Marvels, which was sort of uh, an Elseworlds series uh, about uh, the characters of the Marvel Universe told from the perspective of somebody who wasn't like a superhero themselves, which is also very good. And we should talk about it at some point. Um, and obviously also that is sort of what inspired Kurt Busiek and, and Alex Ross to go on to work on Astro City uh, together. Mm-hmm. But Kingdom Come uh, was sort of, it it started as Alex Ross's version of Marvels for the DC universe. What if we took an Elseworlds set, went into a bit of an Elseworlds setting, changed up some things about the DC universe, set it in the future, and told it from the perspective, not from the perspective of one of the characters we always see, like Batman, Superman, The Flash, Green Lantern, but from the perspective of a normal guy called, well, a more, more or less a normal guy called Norman McKay. Um... They obviously changed a lot in, in there's a lot of stuff that was changed in plotting, but Mark Wade himself, if you read the essay in the back of the Kingdom Come Collected Editions, he talks a lot about how a lot of the great ideas in this book did just come from Alex Ross. And a lot of what he did was just making sure the story was cohesive, that it was, you know, the dialogue and the the monologue were, were well written. And a lot of this really is an, an Alex Ross vessel. And Alex Ross does all of the interiors on all four issues uh, of Kingdom Come, all of which are oversized, but not like hugely oversized issues. So uh, it's not like, you know, oversized issues today, you would think probably somewhere 50, 60 pages. These are a little bit less than that, but still, you know, definitely were released in that prestige uh, format. Um, and when it came out, it came out to like really a, like a, a ton of critical praise. Uh, it won a boatload of Eisner's in 1997. Um, but for best limited series, best covers, uh, best interiors, uh, and then the Dan uh, Dan Raspler, the editor on the book, won best editing, and the and the letterer also won for best lettering, um, and that was Todd Klein. So it it basically had a, a an equivalent of an Oscar sweep. We had a kingdom hashtag Kingdom Come sweep at the at the Eisners. It also won some Harveys, but I, I don't think anybody remembers the Harveys because it's really hard to find. Uh, the specifics there, uh, or at least when I was looking, because it's advertised as having won some Harveys as well, uh, I could not find them. Uh, I assume it probably won Best Limited Series because I doubt there was a better limited series in 1996 than 
uh, Kingdom Come. The year I was born. Wow. Whoa. Whoa. And then it won all the Oscars in the year, or Oscars, it won all the Eisners <laughs> in the year I was born. So It would be pretty impressive if it won it. the Oscars that year, though. I mean, it is that good. Yeah. I mean, it probably, like, what were the, okay, uh, sorry. The Oscar I, I, winners of 1996? I'm curious, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do the plot summary first. But I do kind of want to look this was up. It, wasn't Titanic '96 for Best Picture? Wait. No, it was The English Patient. John, this is uh like only barely related. Have they done one of those DC animated of this? Oh no! Thank God. They, look, they I, could I, never. I didn't know, they, and they. I was a little scared. <laughs> and you're the only person I knew to ask. I feel yeah. like I feel like they don't have a lot of sense currently in in the stuff in the projects they choose to do but i think they have enough sense not to try i just one. know they've done a lot of the heavy hitters so like you know i had to yes yeah. see i i kind of would have said the same thing about the long halloween i i would have said you know four years ago that like they're smart enough to know they shouldn't do that one and then they did so <laughs> I, I, they they haven't touched this one yet and i think alex is probably right that they are not that interested in in doing in doing an animated film of this and i definitely don't think they should um that would absolutely be a huge mistake yeah um but yeah uh sorry i was just looking to see if there was one that was coming out that hadn't come out yet because sometimes they announce these and i have no idea what they're doing but no there's not one released or in the future okay so we're safe for now two thumbs up for that i'm so happy can you imagine if we recorded this in like five years and they'd released one and all of us forced ourselves through the sat down and watched the animated film god i'm the only one who ever does that i mean you well i you watch i watch all them, them all because i have brain damage so you, you watch all of them but i do it whenever something comes up for the show <laughs> okay that's so, no that's that's for those animated fans it looks like they're doing a well they're doing a the doom that came to gotham which is a lovecraftian gothic one yeah. which i think might might be in the gotham by gaslight collection maybe not um mm-hmm. the image they showed was from it but that could just be an old image um I wouldn't doing be surprised a, if they collect those together. They're doing a Legion of Superheroes one, Justice League War World, and yeah. RWBY slash Justice League. Yeah, it, it's just pronounced oh. Ruby. I would rather not. <laughs> well, it's shorter to oh. say is the only reason. That's need. fair. And then there's Batman Azteca, which is the Batman characters, but if they were interesting. Oh, is this another isekai? Another Batman isekai? Well, it's yeah, it's Batman. So it's like his father, the leader of the village, is murdered by a Spanish conquistador. Oh, so this is like an AU, like an Elseworlds. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, (laughs) anyway, uh, we don't have to worry about that too much on this episode because we're talking about Kingdom Come, which is, I guess now I will do the spoiler warning. I probably should have done the spoiler warning before, but sorry, this book is. 26 years old and widely regarded as one of the best DC comics. So I think if you were interested, you probably should have read it by now or also, at least it's fairly before sh- you start. It's fairly short. You could, you could have paused <laughs> the episode and gone and read it by now. Exactly. You could have downloaded the episode, gone to your local library, checked out a copy of kingdom come, which they undoubtedly have and read it. And then two hours later resumed the episode. So, you know what? I, if you get spoiled, it's yeah, it's really your own fault. Uh, but Kingdom Come is, and like I said, it's an Elseworlds story. It's set in a possible future 
uh, of the DC universe, one where a lot of the familiar superheroes have sort of vanished. So Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, The Flash, and Superman is is probably the big one for, for this book. Uh, they've sort of fled the public eye after, you know, a numerous uh, numerous events that happen off screen, some of which we see in flashbacks, some of which we don't. Uh, you know, we don't really get why the Flash is just a blur of lightning that doesn't really show up, doesn't really have a corporeal form anymore. He's just, it's just cool, kind of like a, it's so a cool. red thing with a helmet on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a red whiz with a helmet on. Um, but the important thing is that they have left and been replaced by a new generation of not quite superheroes, but people with superpowers. Yeah, uh, there's, super- there's there's new kids on the block. To yeah, say. and, and these those kids uh, these kids suck <laughs> bad. Uh, so so these superhumans, rather than adhering to to the strict moral codes of, of their predecessors. Uh, some of whom they're directly related to, some of whom they're clearly very inspired by, some of whom have kind of just carved out, you know, their own niche. Uh, They sort of indulge themselves in violence and wanton destruction because they can and because it's kind of fun for them uh, is sort of the judgment that's that's rendered by the Norman McKay, the the POV character. Uh, They kind of just, you know, they've got superpowers. They like having fun with their with their boys on the town, beating each other up, throwing each other around. If he dies, he dies. I've been in a mosh pit. I get it. It's fun. Uh, But, but, you know, we don't do That's not on the scale of destroying downtowns and uh, killing people and setting off the equivalent of a nuclear bomb in America's breadbasket and killing millions of people and disrupting the global food chain, Uh, which is what happens in <laughs> at the beginning of kingdom come and sort of ends up being the inciting incident for superman to decide that he has to return to the public eye pull together the old members of the justice league and work to you know sort of right the wrongs of both right the wrongs of the past and also bring this new generation of superhumans into the future with you know the moral ground groundings of the old heroes um, the story, like I said, it's all told through the eyes of Norman McKay. He's a, a Christian minister who watches the battle unfold alongside uh, the specter uh, who's been sent by the sort of council to, to render judgment on earth and judge whether, you know, humans and superhumans can continue to live alongside one another. Uh, over the course of the story, there's obviously a lot that happens, but just in brief, uh, the Superman's return is obviously not you know, not everybody's super excited. His old foes like Lex Luthor and Rachel Gould's son and Vandal Savage or Rachel Gould's grandson, crucially, uh, and Vandal Savage, you know, they, they, they have their own uh, league that the, is working in the shadows to, to disrupt the superhumans return. But it all sort of comes to head in a climactic final battle in which, as in classics, all classic superhero stories, uh, bad things happen, but the good guys emerge victorious and move forward into a brighter future. And uh, Superman and Wonder Woman get to have sex with each other, which is pretty cool. Well, we don't know that. We do. We do no. know that. We, do. we just know she's pregnant. We know she's pregnant, and it's a powerful kid. Um, Alex, could have been, Alex, it could have been any Alex, one of those superheroes. Alex, I have a very important question. Do you know where babies come from? Not from Superman. That's all I know. <laughs> He would well, never. 
that's demonstrably untrue. He, there's John Kent. I'm sorry. The, this is we're, we're, we're still in the no, 90s in this in this case. Connor. Oh, true. Well, Connor's well. Connor is not actually Superman's son. He's a clone of Superman Lex and Luthor? Lex Luthor. Oh. Which is so funny that it's like those two are the dads, and it is great. It's it's it's, it's wonderful because they hate they each other so much. Never they should have done like a. Now. Yeah. <laughs> they should do like in one of those DC like the 2023 Pride special. They should do a thing that's like <laughs> Superman and Lex. Dads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Connor, Connor like having angst about his two dads and then like both trying to have like this long protracted custody battle. But you know, rather than having it in court, they that's what all of Superman and Lex's like conflicts are really about is who gets custody over Connor, uh, a character that you nobody said at DC you would take him on weekends. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a character that uh, I don't think anybody currently working at DC Comics gives a shit about and hasn't for the nope. better part of two decades. Uh, um, who also I don't think is actually in Kingdom Come, so, you know. No, no, he's not. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious before we get into some maybe some more specifics. I know, Alex, you've read this before. Emily, you have not. Uh, did it live up to the expectations set by those action figures all those years ago? Um, it kind of did. Uh, unfortunately, I think this book might be a little too s- smart for me. It, and but what I mean by that is that there's clearly a lot like that is happening, like visual, especially in like the visuals that like, because I'm not as seasoned with reading DC comics, my experience my experience with DC comics tends to be pretty scattershot. Like there were clearly like character moments that I was like, not getting the full extent of, or kind of like, you know, things I was missing in the background, but I enjoyed the book. It's got some of the most gorgeous art I've ever seen in a comic book ever in my goddamn life. I like, I opened it cause I had seen like, the art on the packaging, obviously. So I knew that was on the covers. Had no idea that was what the interiors were going to look like also. And so I just like, I go to the first page and I'm just like, oh, holy shit, it all looks like this. Oh, it's it's excellent. A feast for the eyes, truly. And I wish it was longer, but it also probably would have taken like 15 million years to paint uh this story to my satisfaction (laughs) well it does have a sequel and alex ross did not draw it so (laughs) uh yeah no it is really a treat to get alex ross interiors given you know how that's always been rare and like Mm -hmm. i am you do get so used to seeing him as a cover artist doing variants and he still does work for for the big two every now and then it's like oh yeah there's an alex ross cover Mm -hmm. but you don't expect the book to look that good but no totally it is still even having read it four or five times just opening be like oh my god 200 pages of this yeah it's just let's go yeah so okay. um, yeah, I I would say lived up to the hype, definitely. Nice. Well, I'm I am glad to hear that, uh, given how awesome those action figures are. Thank mm-hmm. you, Alex. Uh, yes. What is your what's your history with Kingdom Come? Have you did you did you like do you love it? Did you hate it before? Did you like it before? Um, do you like it on this reread? I was t- I was telling yeah. Emily that I sort of forgot I had this book, and it was one of those things like, oh, we're doing Kingdom Come, cool, and looked at my bookshelf, and I was like, oh, right, I've been reading comics for like ten years, and like <laughs> you know, at some point, some point in Longer that time, that, buddy. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah. Anyway, too long. <laughs> this is the point. 
Um, but you know, somewhere in that time, and I'm, it was a big DC comics fan. So it makes sense. I picked up kingdom come and I remember reading it and being like, hearing a lot of good things about it and then not really remembering how I thought about it. Um, cause I think it was just like, I didn't appreciate the art at that time. It was just like, Oh, sure. this is cool. This is neat. And then I was probably like, Oh, about Batman number one by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's out. It's not, so. G- it's no Jim Lee. And Hunch, no, you know? no. Like, oh my it's... God. No Jim Lee. I hope I get to meet him someday. Jeez. Wow. What a yeah. guy. Um, but yeah. And then just coming back, I can't imagine like, this is the worst comic to give someone as their first book because it ruins <laughs> the art. For, like you're done. You're done. Like if this is what you expect for the comic art and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is what it's going to be. This is, or this is like, this is your entries. So you're like, it's going to be better than this. Like there's no way I picked the, the best thing. And it's like, first of all, getting another Alex Ross series, he basically only does covers or movie stuff or stuff like that. And it's just every page is like, Oh wow. I can see why they moved him to covers or why he only does covers. Cause first of all, he probably makes way more money from it. Uh, second of all, he's like, each one is like, let's frame this. It's wonderful. Well, it, so. I mean, like he clearly puts in like so much effort and detail into like every single piece of art like that, like doing interiors would just be sort of impossible for as a regular thing. Like he would have to, yeah, he would have to change up his whole style. And then like, what's the point of getting Alex Ross on interiors at that point? Yeah. Yeah, and and for those who haven't seen it, Alex Ross hand paints all of his all of his art. Mm-hmm. He he doesn't he's not a penciler. He's a, he's a painter, and so I don't know exactly what his process is if he works off of layouts at all that he pencils, but it's all painted and all like hyper realistic and hyper detailed uh, pieces, and it's just panel after panel after panel of just. You, you expect that, like, okay, eventually it's going to break and I'm going to look in the backgrounds of one of these panels and it's just going to be empty. And it no. never is. It's always, never. like, fully detailed, fully colored. And just the sort of, like, Herculean amount of effort that goes into that. Like, even setting aside just how gorgeous it is to look at and to look at it in motion and all of, like, the just, like, dozens and dozens of pages that you could just, like, turn into, that you would want to hang on your wall as, as prints or, or posters or, oh, or whatever the case may be, you, you know, setting all of that aside, just like you have to admire the amount of like effort and work that goes into creating something like that. And, and it, I don't think it takes anything away from people who, who do pencil or who do digital art for, no. for comics. Like there are a lot of great artists who do that. There is just something that is so visually striking and different about this that it really feels yeah it it helps make the book feel really unique and he brings such a gravitas to it as well whenever he does whenever he you know draws interiors it's 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 also very very clearly like it's this book has so many damn characters in it and you know there's there's first of all it's like any major dc hero you're probably going to see them in here and then there's just like oh and then like double that number because they created a bunch of heroes from scratch that they're just designed. My, and they have to be like consistently told throughout. It's just like my personal favorite character was uh, the Joker's daughter too, because there's already a Joker's daughter, Dwayla Dent. But the one in this book, you see her in like two pages, and she's got like red, a, a red and green uh, color scheme, and I I liked her design a lot, and I was very sad that she did not show up very much, but uh, that's my favorite. 
So I will say one of the really cool things about the hardcover that I have is that first of all, it has this page, these two pages here that have all the covers and it's just a list of who everyone is. And it's, there's like a numerical key. Mm -hmm. I don't know how well you guys can see it, but then there are sketches and like descriptions of all oh, yeah. the new characters, my, just uh, every that, single one. That is worth getting a hard time. It is my digital edition yeah. has that as well. So I did. I didn't read all of them, but I read like the ones for the characters that I found the most interesting, and I just sort of like skimmed over the ones that I didn't. It, it's such a classic superhero thing of just like you fill all these pages with characters, and so many of them have these really unique visual designs that are like, that are attention grabbing. And some of them clearly have been inspired by other mm. characters. I mean, even like Magog, who is like the main, well, he's sort of, he's not really the the main antagonist. He, he's the one who is sort of the ringleader of the, the new generation of superhumans and sort of causes the, the nuclear blast uh, in, in Kansas, mm -hmm. but he, he, you know, very clearly is, has some inspiration that comes from like Hawkman and, mm -hmm. and other characters like that. But there's so many of them that just like never, they don't say lines. They don't, they, they show up in like three panels. They're not even in the center, they're just in the background, but you just see them and it's so attention grabbing. And that is like just classic superheroes. That's just classic superhero comics, right? Is it's all about the visual presentation and the visual language mm -hmm. of those characters to sort of bring you in and make you interested. And you you just have to imagine seeing those covers on the on the shelves, like when they came out, just all the characters on there just being such an and you know, let alone like who the creative team is, but that just alone being so you know, attention grabbing. Mm -hmm. So it's a really cool aspect of the book that it doesn't need to go into depth for, for any of those characters, but you kind of end up remembering them. Like, you know, there's uh green lantern and star Sapphire's daughter shows up a few times. There's Mr. Miracle and big Barda's daughter who shows up a few times and they're just like sort of in the background, but you just remember them from their designs alone. Yeah, the uh, um, the really Green cool. Lantern daughter, for those who haven't read it, has a titty window in the center of <laughs> yes. uh, the Green Lantern logo. It's <laughs> excellent character classy. design all classy, around classy. in this book, really and truly. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Just, it, like, so much attention to detail for characters, like John said, that, like, don't even have spoken lines. Yep. No, it really is. It really is like awe inspiring. Just, just looking at just, you know, you just flip through it a little bit and it's just sort of takes your breath away every time. Um, but yeah, I, I guess we can, we can sort of get into, we've talked about, you know, Alex Ross's art a lot, uh, from a visual standpoint, which to be fair, there's a lot to talk about. Um, but you know, obviously a, a big part of, I alluded to this earlier when we talked about, when I, I mentioned Busaic's uh, Superman Secret Identity, and a, a, a significant portion of Kingdom Come's conflict is largely Superman's internal conflict, his struggle about, you know, retreating from the world, the, the human world, and into sort of his own uh, fortress of solitude, although not the literal fortress of solitude, just a a, 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 a farm in the middle of Kansas, which is in many ways more fitting. Um, but I think one of the big things to touch on is like how you, what you guys thought about like how Wade handled Superman's internal conflict, how it differed from like other you know portrayals of Superman, um, and you know how it was resolved uh, is something that I'm curious to to get into a little bit. 
which means you have to say something about it. Oh, or, see, see, you were like, I'm curious to get into it. I'm like, oh, but not yet. Okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah, well, like, well, I don't know. Do you want to get into something yeah. else first? But I no, think Superman that's... is kind of the, like, that's kind of the meal of the story. You know, everything else, yeah. there's like little morsels and, and appetizers and desserts. But the the meal is, is I think, Superman's internal mm. conflict and, you know. Yeah the the blue boy scout fighting against the modern age right and like his i mean right off the bat like you said it kicks off with him and he's like you you open the book he's gone he's not there and that's like right away it's sort of like would superman leave like would that be something that would happen and it's sort of like gives him more of a interesting sort of uh, character beat right off the bat where you're like okay this superman is someone who left and he thought it was the right decision and he clearly is thinking about it and thought that it'd be good, but maybe not. And then, you know, his journey back, he realizes that not everybody's him. Not everybody has the same ideals and stuff like that and sort of fighting with that. And it leads him to making like a gulag, which is kind of like, oh, I don't know, man. I know we should be doing that. Um, and then figuring out that maybe that's not Wonder the best Woman's way to do idea. it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have. Uh, then it's all good. I, I have some thoughts about uh, Wonder Woman, but uh, for Superman. Yeah, I, I thought it was kind of funny, the conflict with superman about like him sort of having to realize that not everyone is just gonna do the right thing if you give them the opportunity to (laughs) and uh sort of this like it's it's interesting that this this character who at this point is is pretty world weary also is still like a little naive in some ways uh you know like he's still got sort of that uh kansas farm boy boy scout uh optimism tucked away in there uh i really liked the choice to make superman have aged uh Mm because a lot of times like because superman's like an alien and you know like depending on the way that uh a various creative teams will go with the superman mythology like he doesn't always age he's not it but like i think it's interesting to see uh the world have a physical effect on him it does go back to the visual component of it i think and i think that's a really good point that you see what literally what the years have have done to to not Clark, as he, as he says, not Clark, but Kal-El at this point, which I think is a, that is like such a nice little touch. And that's something that I don't know if that came from Ross or Wade, but that strikes me as something that comes from Wade, that when Superman cuts himself off, he's not Clark Kent anymore. He's Kal-El. And it's like a small touch, but I think it, it it's a big deal. But yeah, seeing the sort of literalization of, of the world changing on Superman's face, I think is, is a, it's a powerful like literary literary tool in, in, in this book. But yeah, I, I think it's a really compelling take on the character to have him go. Like, like you guys said, like that arc of him having to realize that not everybody is going to be like him, but yeah. also to put him in scenarios where he isn't the ideal, mm-hmm. the idealized mm-hmm. Superman and acknowledging that, you know, he is a character who, yes, he does the right things. He That is like the core of his character is that Superman will always come to the right conclusion. He he will always do the thing that is, that is moral and, and just. And, you know, obviously that's changed over the last closing in on 100 years as our, you know, what we think of as moral and just has changed. But, but that is sort of has always been core to the character of Superman, that he will always do the right thing. And to see that sort of have to be portrayed as something that he doesn't he doesn't always get it right on the first try. 
I think is a really compelling way is a really mm-hmm. compelling way to cast that as like he genuinely it's not just that he has some superior moral compass that lets him always make the right decisions um but it's that he is the he is the one he's the character who can when he makes the wrong de- when he makes the wrong decision is able to sort of come back from it and admit his mistakes and you yeah. know then make the right decision afterwards because yeah, just, I, oh go ahead alex yeah no and just still be that you know inspirational figure that you know the mythos of superman yeah. and oh yeah and, and not to jump to the end but you know the whole billy bats and shazam um sort of plot uh, going on mm-hmm. where like at the end it's you you know superman's built up as the strongest character in the dc universe basically and he finally you know meets his match with a much younger um Billy Batson, who's just Shazam, was on the completely other side of him at that. But at at the end of the day, what kind of saves the day? And to say saves the day is kind of doesn't completely save the day. I mean, a lot of people still do die, but it's it ends up that you know he Superman gets through to Shazam, and it's not Superman that yeah. saves the day, but it's like through Shazam and his sort of example that that does it, which is you know yeah. kind of the whole Superman I, mythos. What I uh, what I love about that, and to elaborate on that a little bit, just to give some background. Billy Batson is a character who is in this book basically the whole time, but we see him as basically being mind controlled by Lex Luthor uh, throughout the book. And and Luthor constantly alludes to, oh, he has a, he has an ace in the hole. He has a trump card that he's just waiting for the perfect time to deploy that can actually like fight back against Superman specifically. Uh, and that's, that's Shazam. And the book has this whole plot where it sets up Batman and Green Arrow and and a couple of other like character and a couple a few other superheroes is aligning themselves against the Superman Alliance with and aligning themselves with Luthor, and basically Batman at one point reveals that the the only reason he was doing that was so that he could learn about you know Billy Batson and Shazam and you think that there's going to be this moment where like Batman ha- figured out what was going on and you know destroyed the the brain slugs that Lex Luthor was putting into in, into Billy's ears which actually was a thing that was happening but in the end it's not it's not that it's not some like technological marvel that Batman came up with that gets through to him it is literally the gravitas and the symbol of of Superman and Superman having the ability to like get through to people, which I, I, it was exactly what Alex was saying, but I think that like, that just makes that moment feel so special that it's not, nobody else could have gotten through to, to, to Captain Marvel in, in the moment where it mattered, except for somebody with, you know, that symbol of being Superman behind them. Um, but I, Emily, I, you mentioned that you had some thoughts on, on Wonder Woman, uh, in this book, and I also have some thoughts on on Wonder Woman, and Alex is nodding. Uh, but do you want to kind of kick us off? Because I feel like this is probably a decent way to go through. It's just like talk through some yeah. of the the individual characters. Yeah, at least especially more, this page is, time. This book is like there are a billion characters in this book, but at its heart, this is a book about the big three. Uh, it, yes, it, so 100%. it makes sense to to just sort of go through them one by one uh, to to start with. And yeah, it, I think it was uh, a little prescient for us to talk a couple episodes ago about how Holy Terror should have been a Wonder Woman book. <laughs> yeah, because like, I forgot about that. But yeah, th- that is all I could think about while reading this book, because like that's there's a lot of that sort of vibe there. Like, it's like you said, like it is her idea to, to make the gulag, which I actually didn't anticipate that like the heroes themselves would refer to it as a gulag. I thought that they would like kind of go with maybe something that didn't sound so, um, 
evil. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just, like, I think that this is a really, I mean, you know, like, I think it's an interesting take on Wonder Woman. It's sort of taking a lot of things about Wonder Woman to uh, a certain logical conclusion. Uh, and I I like the use of the, the Wonder Woman, uh, like the gold armor. Uh, that's a very, very cool design used very well in, in this book. Uh, yeah, mostly I just, I thought it was so funny that we had just a couple episodes ago talked about... Uh, holy terror wonder woman and she's kind of in in a little ways here she is yeah i mean that is kind of what and it is kind of a logical extension for for her character too and we can we'll get into that a little bit i'm curious to hear what alex has to say but before i do that i want to touch on the gold armor Uh wonder woman constantly in this book looks like she is dressed for war which is so perfect because wonder woman normally doesn't really wear armor like she has the skirt and the cuffs and the, the the you know very revealing top although they've kind of moved away from that recently but she doesn't really wear a lot of armor and here it's all armor all the time well you know? they also she has even like, in her regular outfit she has like a more of a breastplate than yeah uh, than like her normal outfit yes mm-hmm. yeah no 100 percent. and it's still like in the shape of the eagle that it is mm-hmm. on her or on, on her normal armor, the, but the she eagle is WW design, but as a like sort of yes. breastplate at the top of yeah, her, it... her breasts. <laughs> yeah, that is where, that is where a breastplate would go. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I it's such, it's a, such a, again, a, a wonderful little bit of character design work that she looks like from the start, she is ready to, you know, smash some faces into mm-hmm. concrete. Mm-hmm. And that'd be awesome if it was me on the end of the smashing. But, you know, some of these people don't deserve it. <laughs> Unlike you. <laughs> I deserve it. Damn. Alex, did you have any... Uh, uh, there's some other stuff we can get to in Wonder Woman, yeah. but I'm curious to hear specifically where you're at I'm with a little, uh, Wonder Woman in this book. With the Wonder Woman, I... You know, to be fair to this story, this came out before a lot of other books that sort of paint her in the same kind of way these elseworld tales like i think mm-hmm. like there, there's a i don't know if it's like last night on earth that has her like this or like there's been multiple books in the last few years that sort of paint wonder woman in this sort of you know logical conclusion where she's very like militaristic willing to take a life to do that um it's just not really the wonder woman character i like i kind of like her more like in uh the wonder woman dead earth one where she's more like a kind of more like a like like a compassionate and like she'll fight for her friends and everything like that, but really never like more like a compassion uh, thing. And it makes sense and everything, but not, not, a, not really a fan of Wonder Woman yeah. in this book until, no. you know, later on. <laughs> yeah. Until Superman fucks her and, you know, sets her straight. <laughs> that's, that's not remotely what happens in this book. Uh, wow, wow, but wow. I, no, I, I mean, it's interesting that you say that because I think that this is that com- compassionate wonder woman and this is kind of like this is an outgrowth of that character that is like a very common like you know portrayal way to portray her because like this is her after she's been like pushed away from everything else right Mm -hmm. like a big reveal about halfway through this book is that she's basically been exiled from themiscira because the amazons determined that she failed in her mission to bring peace to to the world of men um 
And so she's sort of left with nothing. And I think that that's what's so compelling about her character is you can see shreds of she was that person in this universe. You know, she was the super compassionate Wonder Woman who saw the best in humanity and was there to, you know, bring peace to the world because she thought it was possible. She was the optimist. And it's her her sisters on Themyscira who, you know, are sort of counter to that, even though we don't really see that. We see them very briefly at the end when they let her back in mm-hmm. after she brings peace to man's world um, or, you know, something resembling peace. Uh, but you don't actually see that dialogue happen, but you can very easily fill in based on what the characters are talking about, what that dialogue looked like off screen, that she was the one who thought who fought for human for humanity against, you know, the Themyscirans who wanted to, the Amazons who wanted to abandon it. And when that was taken away from her and when they determined she failed, she ends up in this place where there's nothing else left and she's going to bring peace through whatever means are necessary at this point. Because not only are the, is her is her family on Themyscira gone, but her sort of second family or sort of, you know, found family in the Justice League has also completely dis has also completely like fallen apart. And I think that's why you see that she's the first one who goes to Superman and says, we have to do something about this. Like all of the other characters. I mean, we sort of check in briefly with like Hawkman, Green Lantern, the flash, Batman, Aquaman. they're all content. Aquaman. Yeah. They're all content doing their own thing. Um, and it's really wonder woman. Who's the one who says we have to, you know, we have to do something about this. And it's very easy to read that as, her having nothing and being so desperate to have back like the community and family that was so important to her that she will go to and that, that she and eventually will go to lengths that, you know, a lot of the other heroes aren't willing to go to, to, to get back to that. Cause she's the one who's had everything taken away from her at the end of the day. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's a really good, really good inside perspective on it. And it's, and you know, by the end of the book, she goes through her progress and like, by the end of it, she's a character that I do like in that journey. And yeah. it's, uh, yeah. They, they, well, because they she cool stuff. She does come to the conclusion ultimately that no, you, you this isn't actually helping. Um she has to, you know, it has to get to the point where there's all of the superhumans are at each other's throats and murdering each other out in a wasteland. Uh but, you know, she does she does come around uh eventually. Um, but if we're going to stick on the Trinity, uh, and Alex, if you want to kick us off on this one, if you have any thoughts on, you know, the sort of portrayal of, of Batman uh, throughout this book. Yeah, I, how I love much it. he, you know, hates Dick, apparently. He does hate Dick, um, but <laughs> it's it's great. It's, it's very much the Batman Beyond. Uh, you're like a little younger than 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 the one where you, you see mm-hmm. hanging out with with Mr. Terry McGinnis and all that. Um, I just think it does such a cool job where it opens up and he's like. He's the rich billionaire and he's he's decided to go to Lex Luthor's team because, um, you know, Superman and these heroes are a, are a menace and these powers, which is something that is like, you know, we've seen a lot in like things like Injustice and stuff like that, where there is a divide. And it's like Batman's more like, hey, people's powers maybe need to be policed a bit more and sort, sort of have that go. And he's got his Gotham bots going over in Gotham. And there's um, the, the, it's always interesting when uh, it, the Batman's sort of paranoia is leaned into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense that that Mark Wade also is the person who wrote Tower of Babel, which is kind of the, you know, ultimate version of Batman is Batman has contingency plans to kill every member of the Justice League if it comes down to it. I mean, you can clearly see Wade's interpretation of the character as like kind of a paranoid not an idiot, but like a, just a total paranoid nut job, uh, <laughs> even when it comes to his closest friends. 
but sorry go, go ahead alex i didn't mean to interrupt you yeah and then just like um i love the the twist where it's like oh wait you know he's not actually working with all these guys because you know i hmm. i'd read this book before but i was sort of buying into like the okay like this does sort of make sense for him and like having him on this team of supervillains would also maybe keep them honest as well and in, in a sort of way that like after this happens maybe you know they don't take over the world they just sort of are doing this to get rid of that threat um so when there was that little heel turn and he does his, you know, his sly little, like, I know who you are, Billy Batson. I got you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed that. I mean, it is such a believable way to take the character, right? That he, and this is something that I think, you know, it existed before Kingdom Come, but especially since the 90s has become a more common portrayal of the character that he's the one who's like, he always positions himself as like, I'm the one of the Trinity who's willing to compromise my ideals for the greater good. Uh, and so you can sort of see like what he would like, you can sort of believe like what he would, that he would do this. Um, but then of course I, I, I do love that the whole time he is, he is playing Luthor because that is at the end of the day, like there isn't, you know, it's the world's finest. It's the Batman and Superman. They are together forever until the end. And it's just, you know, it, it can't be any way other than that. And I think that that's what, like, those are the kinds of, like, core tenets that Wade understands. And I just love, like, Batman's story is such a perfect example of, of a greater thesis of this book, which is that, you know, with these superheroes, obviously you can do a lot with them in terms of, like, how they're portrayed in their characters. But they have a sort of regression to the mean kind of effect where they there's an endpoint that they have to get back to at the end of all of it. And in this, it happens over the case of course of four issues, but like, yeah, Batman's not actually going to be on Lex Luthor's side ever. You know, that's not, that's, that's not the natural state of the world uh, in, in, in DC comics and, and it can't be. And so it has to revert to the mean. And it, 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 as much, as much as it makes sense for him to, you know, be on his side, it also makes just as much sense for him to have been playing the game the whole time and to turn on, turn on Luthor at that, at the end. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Emily, where were you on on old Bruce uh, in uh, in this book? I you mentioned like you know Superman and Batman together forever, and what that definitely made me think of was uh, one of my favorite moments right at the end there when in the epilogue at the 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 superhero cafe when uh, Su- Batman and Superman are going to be the two dads to Diana's child. <laughs> I love uh, that they ended the ended the comic on a polycule. Very progressive, Mark Way. <laughs> the, the term he used was Godfather, but we can extrapolate. I mean, they're talking about raising him together. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, I I liked this Batman. I was really worried that like we were gonna just get. And I, I guess I shouldn't have been, but I was, because, like, I'm not as familiar with Mark Wade, uh, I was sort of worried that we were just going to get some retreading of, like, uh, uh, Dark Knight Returns Batman, and I'm glad mm. that they went in, uh, a, like, a different direction, uh, I think, <laughs> showing uh batman using uh mobility aids because he is just a human man who has had the shit beat out of him for decades uh was i thought that was uh, a, a cool choice um i did love his little uh i guess it's not really a heel turn if you're going from being on the bad side to being on the good side is it 
<laughs> no, but it's a heel turn if you're going from if you're going from the good side to the bad yeah, side. Yeah, but but I mean, it's like just a, when, it's just character. Yeah, it's just a turn. When when he uh, when he yeah. like has his little reveal with like all of the superhero. First of all, like Lex. Oh, Luthor it's a face turn. Like, face turn. Okay, but yeah, yeah. but like Lex Luthor's so face stupid. Line. Like he brings <laughs> like Batman brings in like a whole bunch of superhero kids and is like, yeah, these guys are all on your side, and Lex Luthor just <laughs> believes him for some reason. Like, yeah. He just rolls up with like Green Arrow, Black Canary, and like 20, 20 of the kids that they've just that they've so recruited. funny. <laughs> and like Green Arrow's like just such an anti-establishment hero kind of thing, like such like actually billionaire right? stuff. Like, and it's oh, yeah. like, oh, there, it's fine. He can come in here. Yeah, Green Arrow and Lex Luthor, they would be friends. <laughs> that that <laughs> absolutely hysterical. So good. Yeah. No, it's also. I also love like now that we're because we're on Batman. This is sort of where a lot of the Luther scenes happen. I love the visuals of Luthor in this book. That I love that he like kind of looks like the Kingpin. Yeah. Uh, from yeah. I think that that I don't know if that was an intentional like design choice. Uh, from from Alex there Ross, but I love that vibes there. Yeah, they're yeah. definitely channeling a bit of the Kingpin, and I love that he constantly. A he looks like a little toad, and B he constantly just has like this smug smirk on his face and like, like it's a hard and chiseled face, but it's like, he's kind of smug the whole he's time. Like Cause thumb. he, it's like classic. Yeah. He's like a thumb. Yeah. It's like classic Lex Luthor where he, th- the whole time he thinks he's won and he thinks he can't, he can't be beat. He has every, he has all the cards in order. He's got Batman on his side. He's got, uh, he's got captain Marvel and he, Superman doesn't stand a chance this time. Right. Right. It's totally going to work out for um, Lex Luthor this time. <laughs> Yeah, and it, and it does. Um, oh, t- yeah, no, definitely. They, I think, being in uh, Bruce Wayne's psych ward at the end of the book is exactly what I would describe as it all works out uh, for, <laughs> for Lex Luthor. Um, no, uh, to go back briefly, Emily, I think it was you, Emily, who mentioned um, the the Dark Knight Returns yeah. that you were worried that it was going to be a Dark Knight Returns Batman, and I think that again mm-hmm. to stay on the visual thing, that is like a trick that Alex Ross plays too. Because so much of this Batman is Dark Knight Returns Batman, where he's got the mechs patrolling, the robots mm-hmm. patrolling Gotham, and he's sort of got like the mobility aids. It sort of looked like some of the scenes in Dark Knight Returns, where where Bruce has like similar, he has to build like a new suit that has that sort of those that sort of built into it. Uh-huh. And so you think that that's what it's going to be, and it's going to be the final conclusion is going to be Batman versus Superman, which is you know. But it's but it's in fact the opposite. It's just a nice little like way to play with the audience's expectations. Uh-huh. Uh, I think. I also think that it's such a good touch that like Superman going away, like le- being out of the public eye and leaving the world, is kind of the thing that sets Batman down a f- way darker path. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think sure. that that is a really compelling. Um, that's a really compelling beat that, you know, this was our Batman, the Batman that we all know. This wasn't like a more brutal Batman from the beginning. This was Batman from, you know, the 1950s show and the, the sixties, the silver age comics. And then Superman left. And now he's, you know, completely taken over Gotham and is having robots hunt down. And, you know, maybe it's non-lethal, but I'm pretty sure those robots are out there. Like, Killing, 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 no, killing criminals. I never. Mm. There's like that one panel where he says execute, 
to the robots, and it could just be that they're executing on the plan. Executing the command. It definitely is to kill him. It definitely, yeah, it definitely feels like they are doing an execution uh, in that scene. But I think that it's, it's a, like all of those are just like great beats for for Batman. Um, also, did any of you catch the the line in the epilogue that uh, Rachel Ghoul's grandson, who is allied with uh, Luther, is Batman's son? I did. Uh, I did notice. Oh that. no. Yeah. I, it's just another thing that like there are a couple things like that in this book that are very clearly of the nineties because it's not Damien. His name is Ibn El Ghul. He's not Damien Wayne, but the, 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 the scene of Damien's conception had already happened in the comics. And that is of course a thing that like Mark Wade would know about that. Like Bruce and Talia had sex and with the, and when Talia's intent was to have a child and, uh, that makes sense that there would be one, but it's not Damien because Damien is an inkling in Grant Morrison's head. <laughs> like on, on one hand, it's strange that they took that long between just like, oh, Talia and Batman, they they did it, and you know, thing, and then to like actually have a kid. And mostly, the- and maybe it was because they were like, oh, you know what? Maybe like having our character like raped on on the comic books is not good. And Grant Morrison's like, we can make this work. The end. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. They found a way in the end. Yeah. And they, they gave us Damien, a, a beloved character. Hmm. I, I, a beloved in the sense that I, I love Damien. We I love him. Yes. The, we the loved Crying in the Book Club's official stance on Damien Wayne is very pro. We are Damien Wayne partisans on this yes. podcast. <laughs> uh, um, so I, I know that we've kind of like touched on some of the, the younger characters, I think mostly through visual design I, I don't know if we want to get into them so much yet do we want to talk very briefly about like the flash and aquaman and and green lantern and what they're up to because i think there's some interesting they also don't like emily said it is a trinity story those other characters don't get like a ton of page time but there are just like there's just enough with each of them that i think is is kind of compelling like i love that hawkman is an eco-terrorist not not really the character that I would have chosen to go the eco-terrorist route, but I love that, like, the one panel of Hawkman we see where uh, the Spectre is describing him to, to Norm McKay. Uh, he's, like, bearing down on these, like, lumber, like, th- this, like, industrial lumber project that is, like, destroying a forest. And you just see Hawkman coming, and there's, like, a couple guys, like, running away <laughs> from the site. It's so good. Um, I... So. I don't know if there's anything with those characters that you guys wanted to, to touch on before I we get into some of the other ones. I quite enjoyed the Aquaman scene where they go mm-hmm. to ask Aquaman for help and he tells them to fuck off. Uh, <laughs> enjoyed that quite a bit. He's like, you know, you have so many heroes to take care of the land. I take, uh, I am, uh, I am like purveyor of the entire rest the 70 percent of the world and there's only one of me like no i'm not going to help you with your squabble and i'm not only am i not going to help you but like i'm definitely not letting you stash them all down yeah because that's part (laughs) that that scene part of that that is they're just going around (laughs) trying to figure out where to stick all of the bad guys this is pre-gulag building. They're trying to figure mm-hmm. out a place to put the gulag. And uh, of their prospective locations, they try uh, in the fucking ocean and in <laughs> fucking outer space. <laughs> Neither of yeah. which uh, work out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Aquaman's my answer too, but just, just all the heroes. It's it's just nice to see them like do their 
kind of like do it, it's kind of it's not really set dressing but it really brings the world to like mm-hmm. you really believe it's this world and just mm-hmm. like we talked about the flash earlier in this episode that he doesn't really exist anymore but there's just like red blur that like stops crime around the city like yeah as a person like barry allen is not a thing it's just uh-huh. like this this superhero kind of like anti-crime force and it's like oh it's kind of it's kind of interesting and i love that that's kind of what's happened to all of them right is like I mean, like, Superman is literally not a human, but, like, they have all sort of, that's, like, kind of the thesis of the book is that they've all sort of lost touch with their humanity. And in doing so, in some ways, have become, like, way more powerful. Oh, yeah. You know, you see the the Flash is a literal blur. Like, you can't you can't stop that guy, but Barry Allen isn't under there anymore. Yeah. Right? Not in any meaningful way. Green Lantern is literally projecting an entire fortress in orbit around Earth. He's got this, like, fucking... He also, much like Wonder Woman, he is dressed for a fight. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he just sits there on his throne, sword. waiting for a fight to come into space. He's just he, like, try me. Bring it. Let, let's go. He's got, like, the huge, like, the, the huge green armor, and he has a sword. He's out there wielding Valifax uh, out, in, out in space, just like a big like energy sword and he, he's he's ready to fuck someone up but like I, I i love that like it's that it's again the symbolism of like i said with batman but the, the symbolism of superman leaving sort of they all lost touch with that side of, of who they were that sort of side that grounded them and just became these you know again another very uh ob- like a very on the nose theme of the book like they just turned themselves into into gods basically mm-hmm. yeah um and 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 sort of lorded over uh, the the rest of the world, um, but yeah, that, those are kind of all of the those are all the ones who I think get real screen time. The one other character who's not really a Justice Leaguer, uh, but that I wanted to touch on anyway is Dead Man, mm-hmm. uh, who shows up mm. briefly to to talk to Norman McKay uh, as he's sort of observing a conversation that's happening between the Spectre and one of the Guardians of Oa. I think uh, I think not uh, the question is there. I think. Um, yeah, and so is uh, Mr. Mister, uh, well, it's Apocalypse Man, but the other one. Hi, Father. Yeah. Hi, uh, yeah, yeah. Hi, yeah, Father. Yeah. Um, I mostly bring up Dead Man because I love that he is just a skeleton. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, most of the time, Dead Man, Dead Man is always like a creepy character because he's a dead guy in a trapeze outfit. And you can always see his skeleton, but it's always like it's always sort of ethereal. It's almost, it's a little, his portrayal is always like a little campy because mm-hmm. there's like yeah. this, the spirit energy around him. But here it is just like an eyeless, empty skeleton in a trapeze outfit. Oh yeah, he's great. Oh yeah. It is really, I, and I just wanted to, like that conversation of just like, but but it's still Boston Brandon there who is always like, he's not like a, he, he doesn't like have the gravitas that comes with that, uh, with, 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 with that visual portrayal necessarily. Yeah. Um, he's always been a, one of the more irreverent characters, but I just love those, those panels. Cause I love, I just love the visual portrayal of, of, of him in, in here. Um, but I want to move to, and, and there's not a ton of page time set, spent on the younger generation of superpowered characters, but I do want to just talk a, broadly, uh, about their, portrayal in the book and what you guys thought about how uh kingdom come like how wade and 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 ross sort of chose to portray a younger generation uh of of superhumans and where you guys came down on on how they were portrayed as as a group uh even if there's not a lot of them you know individually Mm. yeah and i think like that kind of works to its its favor where it's such a wide 
cast of characters and you don't really get a sense for each one individually, but you get a sense that overall they're like very different characters throughout. And maybe like the Justice League members, as much as they're different, they were kind of all united in sort of like, oh, you know, truth, justice in the American way, at least before before Superman left. But this one, it's more like, oh, these these are like people who have looked at what their parents are doing and looked at what the world is like and be like, you know what, maybe we don't want to do it like that kind of thing. Yeah, I wish that we had gotten more time with them. I know there's only so much you can do in four even supersized issues, but I just like I when I was reading the supplementary some of the supplementary materials, like apparently there was going to be like a father-daughter relationship between one of the superheroes and one of the the younger superheroes. I don't remember exactly who they said it was cuz I read it last night. But um, I just sort of wish that we had gotten to actually see more of those, like, more of the interaction between the two different, uh, the two different generations of heroes than sort of like when they start fighting. (laughs) Um, But I, you know, I like I thought it was so good. I just, you know, everything about this book is so good that it makes me want more of it. (laughs) Mm. no that that I, I i'm definitely with you on the it's so good i want more of it i can't remember her name and i'm looking for it but i think if i remember correctly that character i'm pretty sure is uh mr miracle and big barda's daughter i yeah it might be but it might it might it might not be but i i remember reading something similar and that's mm. kind of who i think it was who also interestingly that scene with um with a uh, big Barda and, and uh, where you see uh, when, when Superman goes to apocalypse and like talks to Orion before, which is right before he goes to seek out Bar- big Barda, Mr. Miracle mm-hmm. uh, where he's found that Orion is taken dark sides role was actually not in the original printing of these books. Um, but was something that was added similarly to the epilogue. Actually, the epilogue also wasn't originally in oh. the last issue, but was added. Later. I really like the epilogue. I really like the epilogue too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, on the younger heroes, I think I mostly agree. Like I am definitely with Emily in the sense that like you could convince me that each of these characters should have a six issue miniseries devoted to them. Yeah. Uh, you the couldn't convince me that comic universe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know how they did like before Watchmen, they could do after Kingdom Come. Yikes. <laughs> when John Luke is taking notes from before Watchmen, I, I don't know. It's... Uh, I won't be taking notes on before Watchmen. Uh, going through my comics, I actually found out that I apparently own all of the before Watchmen comedian issues, and I almost why? But can you I... read those and, and let me know what happened? <laughs> I I yeah, I guess I can. Cool. I probably I have read them. I have read all the before Watchmen is, is series, but anyway, Why did you um, do that? that was. I don't... No, well, it's... I did it because I was curious. Uh, why I bought the comedian ones, I could not tell you. I I really don't know. Brian Azzarello's name on the cover. You know that probably was the reason. If if I had to go on a limb and guess, but no, I mean I I I I'm I, I'm with Emily in the sense of like this. What's here is so good that I want more of it. But I also just like. I find their portrayal as like being these sort of like avatars of mayhem to be, it's such a, it's, it's such a classic, like 
uh, you know, intergenerational trope of like, oh, the kids are going to, the kids are, you give the kids the world and they're going to throw it away and mm-hmm. fuck it up. And I love that, like, that's kind of the tack that the book seems to be taking in the first few issues. But ultimately what actually is revealed to have happened is that when it mattered, like when the older generation needed to actually give the younger generation something and, you know, give them something to look up to, Superman left, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, like that's the moment of like, and and I also think it's super interesting that the, the, the thing that leads to it is that the Joker moves from Batman, from Gotham to Metropolis to fuck with Superman and he kills Lois Lane and then Magog kills the Joker and it's Superman who like takes the stand and says that Magog should be like literally in court says that Magog should, should be in prison for in prison for what he did. Mm -hmm. And then when it doesn't go his way, he just up and leaves rather than, you know, try to stick around and help the the younger generation so you see them in all these scenes of like you know they're out partying and drinking and uh you know this that and the other thing but you really get the sense by the end of the book that it's you know because the people who should have been their mentors and the people that they should have looked up to like abandoned them at this crucial moment and i love that it doesn't like it doesn't fully go into the sort of like well if you the kids are gonna the kids are not okay they're gonna fuck everything up because yeah. they love violence and sex and hard drugs and partying the and children of that nature. mayhem yeah exactly i'm glad that that doesn't end up being like fully the tact that the that the book goes in um even if that's sort of where it, i think that's sort of the starting point of it but i also love that it's just like yeah some of these guys are like fucking weirdo fascists like there's that whole scene at the statue of liberty at the beginning of the book which is where superman first makes his return which is you know these characters that have a ton of like american iconography are like plastered with american iconography just killing immigrants as they try to come into the country and it's like this it's super corny in the way that like mark wade's politics can be super corny but it is also like there is something about Mark Wade where both Mark Wade and Kerpusek actually funny enough, where like, I think that they have a tendency to be really corny when it comes to putting political messages in their comics, but you can't hate it. Cause it's so sincere. Like you can tell that they like are coming from a place of like, no, I genuinely like believe this. And I like, they are so sincere and wear the, wear their heart on their sleeves in that sense that it does feel like really powerful that it's, you know, Superman going to Ellis Island to, the, like the way he chooses to reveal himself is him, you know, going to Ellis Island and uh, fucking up Commando and the red, yeah. white, and blue trio. And also, it, it, it's it's not it's also not like this sort of like rah rah like this is what America is. And I think part of that is that it, it's not. Alex said that you know it's all truth, justice in the American way was the older generation. I think that every time it comes up, it's just truth and justice in this book. When Wonder Woman talks to Superman about his ideals, it's truth and justice. It, it, it's Wade, and I feel like that has to be a conscious decision to to sort of drop the American way from that because the American way means a lot of different things, and in, in the past it's meant a lot of bad things, and in this alternate future, the American way is you know superhumans having fun by killing each other and murder blowing up you know buildings and shit like that, right? So mm-hmm. I think that is like a really clever, again, just a small detail, and this you know most of the small details I guess have been visual. This is more of a this is more on the writing side, but just a small detail that I think does tell you a lot about you know where these characters have come and how 
in some ways how jaded they are that Superman is no longer this optimistic. Like he does have some of that naivete in him still, but he's not like optimistic and naive about America anymore necessarily. You know, this isn't the Superman from, from secret identity who does ops for the CIA. And it's like, it's for the greater good at the end of the day. <laughs> he only did that once. <laughs> sure. Hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I do like, like most other aspects of this book. I, I really do dig that. Um, I touched on this briefly, but I, I think one of the last things before we sort of start wrapping up is maybe we should talk about, uh, the, the sort of like religious aspect of this book, the, the sort of like Christian themes that come, th- come through by, I mean, the main, ca- the, the POV character being a pastor, each issue opening with like bits from the Bible. And there's constantly talking about how the superhumans have sort of put themselves in the, in the positions of gods. And this, it's just something that I feel like is worth, worth touching on briefly. If you guys have thoughts on, uh, on those themes of the book. I mean, like, I think it, I think it works, uh, you know, like comparing superheroes to gods is not, uh, you know, it's, this isn't something that this book came up with necessarily, but, uh, I, I like, because like the, because this book is about the superheroes, like losing their humanity, uh, at some, at a certain point, like I, I really like that, uh, you know, like we're, we're getting all this religious imagery and then sort of like the, like the last beat of the, you know, save for the epilogue, uh, of of the comic is, uh, Superman getting like his, his Clark Kent glasses back and, uh, you know, as a, as a symbol of returning back from, to his humanity from godhood, uh, he's interesting. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm definitely like sort of I think we're on the same page there. That I, I like that it sort of sets them up at the beginning. And partially because they've been gone for so long that they're it's only like expanded the mythos oh, of yeah, those characters definitely. in the universe. And that ultimately it's about them, you know, sort of renouncing that and realizing that they have to work with people and alongside people rather than They can't just unilaterally you know, decide what's good for humanity. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's kind of like, I mean, that's like the classic Superman-Luthor conflict, right? Of, you know, Superman is an alien who who thinks in a lot of cases that he knows best and Luthor believes that that should be left up to, to humanity. And th- this is kind of like the perfect closure to that conflict in a way where, and, and, and kind of the ideal closure of Superman, honest, like coming to the same conclusions as Luthor, but from a totally different perspective and and with totally yeah. different intentions that uh, in terms of getting there mm-hmm. um, yeah and i think the actual reverend character is like a nice nice little break from all the super heroics and all, mm-hmm. all, all, the, all the weighty stuff going especially as he's you know we've talked about uh he gets to see you know boston brand and all these all these figures and he's just 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 watching just being that that standard but it, it, it does it's it's a neat it's a neat like um literary device putting him in there too oh yeah yeah i i think we mentioned that this episode is going to come out right after Christmas and this, uh, the, the frame narrative with the pastor has like a lot of Christmas Carol vibes. So I, uh, think that that's sort of a, a fun thematic coincidence that we didn't really plan. I, 
I actually haven't thought about that at all, but it is totally Dickensian in, in that sense of oh, yeah. it is really like a ghost of Christmas future, ghost of Christmas past type setup. That yeah. had never that had actually never occurred to me, but that's totally <laughs> no no seriously, but that's totally what they're doing oh, with, yeah. with the Spectre with the Spectre here. He's that's even got that moment where he's just like, you know, the bomb goes off and he's just shouting at the Spectre, like, Well can we do this? Can't be yeah. the end. Yeah. Yeah. It, I'll, it's I'll little Timmy dying, yeah. yeah, yeah. Holy shit, yeah. No, that's 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 precisely what it is. And I I, I do agree. I I love, and I mean, if you want to hear me heap praises on something similar, like we talked about uh, Kirby Six Astro City a lot on the comics podcast, um, because it was actually coming out for a significant portion of that show. But I just love this sort of like seeing the world of superheroes from the eyes through the eyes of somebody who experiences it, but doesn't like their day to day is not doing superheroics their day to day, but their day to day is like irrevocably changed by, um, by living in in, existing in a world that has superhumans, both, you know, heroes and, and, and villains. Um, So, so there's another book that kind of does the same thing. And I, really like that book and i also didn't remember really kingdom come as i was reading it but i'd probably read kingdom come before and that's len ween's legacies and it does sort of Mm -hmm. like the same thing where it just sort of picks a random human person and goes through the whole history of the dc universe in a a neat way um just a food for potential reread in the future i've actually never read uh legacies so that sounds really compelling i didn't know that that was a yeah, I didn't. I mean, I I think the only Len Wein book I've really read is is Swamp his Swamp Thing one. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, that is that's always like a really interesting like way to look at it because it also like it also does give Kingdom Come a gravitas in terms of like Norman like is somebody who does sort of see them in that light as like legends and and gods and not really as people and sort of has the same arc that they do of like coming to see them more as as people by the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I do also, we've, we've alluded a number of times to the, to the epilogue and I, and I did mention this earlier. I I meant to sort of save it to the end, but the epilogue was added, uh, to the book. It wasn't something that was originally, um, that was originally a part of kingdom come. And I'm just curious, like, like what you guys thought of the epilogue, but also like, can you imagine like ending this book? on you know the pages that come right before the epilogue and and not ending it on the epilogue and do you think that like like if you were to like go back to 1996 and it ends with that scene uh in the with norman going to the graveyard and then being in the church like do you think that that would have been that that was like as narratively satisfying as what we got in later editions of of the book I don't want to be a backseat writer, but I think that I think ending on the Norman and church thing is actually a stronger ending ending. Um, but I would like to have that Superman. Like I'd, I'd like to have that meeting maybe before it and then go back to it. But it's it's also like, how do you go back to this guy we just met here when you have these, the Trinity and these like, you know, characters that you care more about in, in general. Um, I, but I, yeah, I, I can totally see why they ended it there, but I'm glad that I got to read the ending and, Imagine not hearing about the fact that like uh, Wonder Woman and Superman are having a baby, and that you know <laughs> Bruce and is 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 the Godfather, and that that nice in the moment. Yeah, like like there's definitely a lack of closure with them if you don't read this epilogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I you know I don't I'm not 
surprised by the idea that it originally ended without the epilogue like that i can you know that that's very believable to me but uh it also i think like a lot of times things can really be ruined by an epilogue and i'm glad that this one doesn't um i you know it's very cute i like the return to the superhero uh restaurant because that was my favorite set piece in the Planet comic. Krypton. Yeah, that was my favorite set piece in the That's whole awesome. comic. So I'm glad they went back to it for this uh, for this scene. And you know, I thought Superman and Wonder Woman having a baby was kind of corny, but whatever, it's fine. Uh, that's just because I'm a heterophobe. So yeah, that's because you wanted Superman and Batman to have a baby instead. I mean, well, they kind of are. They kind of, they, 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 they yeah. yeah, that is true. <laughs> yes. But yeah, they're going to turn the trilogy into a quadrinity and get another girl in there. So we can have a baby with a woman. So Emily can really be satisfied by (laughs) the narrative conclusion. They got to alter the epilogue to just put like, I don't know. Oh, well, you know what? It was either Jim Lee or Jeff Johns. Maybe it was Dan Adio who said that Harley Quinn is actually now on, is actually has replaced Wonder Woman on it was, Trinity. It was one yeah. of those three who said it. So this was a few years. This was this was I think this was a new fifty this was New Fifty Two era. It was a, a few years in the New Fifty Two. Which, which but, is fair because like at that part of New Fifty Two you're getting like the Meredith Finch and David Finch Wonder Woman run. So it's like of course it's not the pillar anymore. Yeah. But you, we gotta go back to you, but I'm just saying they should take that opportunity to edit the epilogue and put Harley Quinn in there. I don't like Superman <laughs> well, no, never mind. Superman Harley. <laughs> I'm just not saying that. Exactly. I'm not bring, I'm not exactly. taking that evil into the universe. Uh, it does just make me think of that scene in season two of the Harley Quinn animated show where they there is that scene where they're on top of the build on top of the building after uh, the league has been mind. I don't remember the exact circumstances, but the league is mind controlled, and the Trinity is on top of the building, and it is implied that they do have a threesome on on uh, in season two of the animated show. Yeah, so, you know. Yeah. No. See, they they get it. It's better in that context. Mark I Wade think. ended this book with a polycule. It was very brave. <laughs> um, no, I, I, the epilogue is is a little bit weird to me. I, I really like. I do really like it. Like I like what's in there, but there's a finality to the to having it end with Norman Mc, with McKay, and I mean there are like doors that are still open, but the epilogue with the you know knowing now that they're like was a sequel. Uh, which is written by by Mark Wade, uh, well, and Grant Moore, co-written by Wade and Morrison. Actually, what's it called? Oh, that's the Kingdom. Um, but without, it is interesting. I actually, fun fact, uh, I read that before I read Kingdom Come because I thought it was Kingdom Come because it came up on the li- when I looked at my library database back in like 2013. And I searched Kingdom Come the kingdom came up and I was like, Oh, that must be what it's called. And I just got the name wrong. And so I went and checked it out and read and read it thinking it was kingdom come. Oh, that's very um, funny. I, I don't remember very much about it, but uh, huh, it's it, only two issues. It's very short. Yeah. Okay. It's the kingdom planet Krypton and the kingdom son of the bat. So okay. it's yeah. both a sequel and a prequel. Um, we should have just added that onto the show. Yeah, if, I, if I'd known about this, we, should, we could have just done it. <laughs> yeah, I, I should have. I actually remembered it being long. I actually thought it was longer than that, So, which is why I didn't mention it. But yes, knowing that it's that short, we should have definitely done it. Oh, well. Um, but no, I, 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 it definitely feels like there's more like sequel set up in the epilogue of like, 
oh, we're having a kid and, you know, we're going to continue working on, on the world. And Batman talking yeah. about, you know, re, uh, rehabilitating uh, Ibn El Ghul and, and, you know, Dick being back in his life and stuff like that. It does feel more like sequel setup y than the original ending. It's a little um, bit like dessert. Yeah, it's definitely a dessert. Yeah. And and it really is like, I do really love actually getting like a full scene in Planet Krypton because we, we see it earlier in the comic, but it is just such a perfect like encapsulation of like the the superhero mythos of like, so you know, they leave and they're suddenly like, you know, they be, they're gods, they're celebrities basically. It, for, it's basically like the Hard Rock Cafe or Planet Hollywood, it's but so for, for superheroes. Uh, and you have to imagine like, every location has like you know a different this was an arrow fired by green arrow at, you know but like you know who like oh, one of yes. the millions that he yeah oh yes you know this was a a real batarang that batman threw at the joker in 1974 That's really the, the best reason to go to a hard rock cafe is see all the <laughs> bullshit that they've got yeah all just like the oh yeah this is a guitar that slash used on a live performance once it's like oh my god that is so epic Whoa. this is a jacket uh, that jimmy hendrix spit on <laughs> <laughs> oh so sorry go, just finishing off on the kingdom uh it was so apparently ross was supposed to be on it he was they, yes they left because of a little maybe creative differences and then mark well, wade kind of did his own thing and then ross kind of criticized what actually happened in the book um, ooh, and then spicy. apparently the book wasn't very the art wasn't very good as well so womp, womp. No. i mean it's impossible um, to follow up alex ross but but there are still other good books with good art <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, there are. There definitely are. Um, but you can definitely tell that this was like Alex Ross sort of dropped off and they got people to fill in and probably do it on a really quick deadline. If I remember the art, I, I do remember the art not being that good, but it would be it's, interesting to read it at some point. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I'm wrong. It wasn't co written with Grant Morrison, but it was the way that they introduced Hypertime, which is what Morrison. A concept that Morrison uses a lot is what like leads to Final Crisis. Okay, and, uh, stuff like okay. that. So, um, and also apparently at the end of Fifty Two, they show Kingdom Come, which I didn't know, but the king or they show the Kingdom Come oh, universe, universe, I guess. Yeah, uh-huh. neat. But anyway, that's maybe we'll talk about that. Well, we might talk about that someday. It's pretty short, so. But there, there might be some some interesting stuff to talk about and to, if it wasn't well received because Wade is one of those guys who does like have plot armor when it comes to critical reception. We should also <laughs> um, do Earth X. Also, oh yeah, uh, it, it was a, a Marvel book uh, based on uh, a similar idea oh, that Alex Ross yes. had, but for the Marvel universe. Yeah. If, just um it's not actually drawn by alex no Ross, no it's not yeah but we should do that we should also do marvels which is the the book alex ross did before this that was inspired Kingdom. hell yeah we should just do like everything that alex ross is like we, can we just, should just read all we can just have all of astro city yeah we can just have like a couple of months <laughs> where we just go through that alex yeah. ross oeuvre we could do yeah. a year of astro city we could, you could easily do a year of Astro City, which to be fair, it's not, it's all Alex Ross covers, but I don't think it has any Alex Ross in interiors. No. But it has, it's Brent Anderson interiors. Brent Anderson, yeah. Also fantastic. So, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, also, you know, Kerpusaic writing, which is really good. But anyway, I think that's, well, I, I forgot, there is one last thing that we have to talk about, which is who we think cries the most in Kingdom Come. 
Um, probably Superman. <gasps> probably Superman. <laughs> I think that's a good answer. Although I will say I do really like that when they find one note I really like is that when they do finally find Magog, which is like a big plot of like issues two yeah. and three, I think of like the the heroes like sort of tearing through the world looking for him, and when they find him, he's just like weepy and defeated and knows that he's like completely fucked up and done something horribly wrong, uh, yeah. and he's not like so, even though the series like talked him up as like this arch villain, he's not when they there's, find him there's no I, fight at the end when they find him it's just like, yeah he just surrenders immediately and i think he is actually crying like he is actually misty eyed or yeah. crying mm-hmm. in that panel so that that is a nice note that i think ties with the theme of our show yeah and i think the person that cries the most in this book is the reader because they get to look at the gorgeous alex ross art and it's yeah that's true that's fair. Uh, another another one last thing i love i love that the thing that makes superman leave is the same thing that's causes injustice to happen which is the joker killing lois lane yeah get, get original uh, thought tom taylor slash the video game i had never thought of that before read it so, for some reason it never occurred to me that like oh that just came from kingdom come um also this is a pro tom taylor podcast alex oh yeah it was a joke also because tom taylor did not come up with that part of yeah, the story so. yeah i don't think that was his idea no. I love Tom Taylor. He's great. Also, Tom Taylor is a great the, writer. The Arrowverse uh, borrowed what? The, the Arrowverse borrowed the mechanic of uh, oh. or, no, no, no. Um, okay, I got two things mixed up. Um, the Arrowverse uh, had a like. Hold on. I just am hearing the Arrowverse yeah. had something to do with, took something they, in Kingdom okay, Come. They, had, they, they, they did a, do a Kingdom Come kind they, of thing, didn't like, they? Like a, a Crisis on Infinite Earths like crossover event, and there was a Superman that took in. They had a what? Kingdom Come. Yeah, yeah. This was near the end of the. Yeah. I mean, is there any, is there any Arrowverse show that's still running? I have no. no idea. Um, also, the, the, what, the first thing that I got mixed up with the Arrowverse bit is in uh, the Justice League Unlimited in an episode, they use the mechanic of uh, Captain Marvel striking uh, Superman oh. with the lightning bolt. Yeah, Which, oh, by that the way, so cool. Fucking yeah. so cool. <laughs> it's so sick. That I mean, that final fight with like Superman and Shaz- and, and Captain Marvel. God, I've just started calling him Shazam, but his, his, it's fucking Captain Marvel. Um, <laughs> Fake I, comics that, fan. Yeah, that whole fight is so... Well, he's called Shazam now because of a lawsuit. Oh, I, uh, oh yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, by... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm the but no, that whole fan. Yeah, the, the whole fight between Captain Marvel and Superman at the end is fucking gorgeous to look at. It's just, you know, kind of like... Epic, but not sarcastically. Yeah. Moment after 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 epic moment yeah. after epic moment, it's, and it like so the Shazam good. lightning bolts cut in between the other action, the other fights going on. It's yeah, just oh, yeah, great it's, sequential. It's so good. You can't can't beat Alex Ross, really. It just really is unfair to a lot. Like there are so many great comic book artists, but like, and a lot of them like stylistically are so different that you can't even compare them. Mm-hmm. But like, there's just no one who does what Alex Ross does. Oh, yeah. At the end of the day, it, it's just not. And, uh, and there's it's just not that it just isn't the same and like you think of like artists who do paint who who paint even and it's like jeff lemire comes to mind and ray fox comes to mind but neither of them like do the, the their painting is so stylistically different from oh, yeah. Ross's. there's no yeah like there's no like americana other americana influenced like painters and comic book mm-hmm. artistry which you think would be such a 
touchstone but yeah and there's like no corners cut in like backgrounds no, or it, no, no, it's no. it's honestly like no artist should be doing this on a monthly basis no, right? i'm sure no, you know Al- no. alex ross clearly didn't for this book you know it's collection but like it's uh this is what a lot of time and one of the greatest artists of all time can can make. Yeah. So. It, it's kind of, to me, the platonic ideal of what you want a superhero comic to look like, which is you just take two people who are amazing at what they do and just give them whatever resources they need to tell the story that they want to tell, you know, with no like you read the like Mark Wade's essay in the back that he wrote about this. And it's like basically like he got Alex Ross's like script ideas and then they went and had lunch together and hashed out the whole story and editorial didn't fuck with it at all. Like there's an editor who was, the editor was with them, like, you know, also contributing, but like there was no like editorial. And part of that is because it's an Elseworlds story, but that is like, you hear that. It's like, God, if only we could always have that where like, you know, the editors were like still an active part of creating a comic. Like, obviously you can't really have, I don't want to undersell the work that editors do, but it's more like the editorial mandates that, really can ruin some superhero stories and just like having that the freedom to do to tell the stories that you want and the ways that you want and that's like and kingdom come does that and you can there's very few other books that are like fully free uh of of that that those like nagging questions of like well this was kind of a dumb plot point did the writer do that or did the editorial mandate tell them to do that Uh, you know, so it's, but it's a, it's, which is all to say, it's just a phenomenal, a phenomenal work. One of the best, one of the best we've got. I want to give a a special shout out before we wrap up to the design for Power Woman. Uh, Uh She is fucking jacked as hell. And it's so (laughs) good. (laughs) Yeah. I I like that. Cause like, she's like, I like that it keeps like the classic Power Woman design of like, you know, it has the, the really comically stupid uh titty window mm-hmm. but yes i love that like it has that but she is she, also just completely like, ripped. She, yeah it's marvelous truly it's good yep all right well that's uh that's kingdom come and if you're hearing a sound uh that's the sound of not the doomsday clock but the kingdom coming the kingdom has arrived has, has arrived uh <laughs> which also means emily stop being so immature i will not uh <laughs> but that means that it is time for a new segment, our first ever cry space, where we talk about something that made us cry in a good or bad or neutral. Way. Well, I don't think something can make you cry in like a neutral way. I don't think that really, I don't think that happens. It, listeners, um, if you've ever cried in a neutral way, write in. <laughs> at Yeah. Cryingbookclub at gmail.com. Um, but uh, I hope we all came prepared. Um, so was anybody like, would anybody like to volunteer to go first? Uh, I could go first. Go for uh, it. My cry space is, uh, I cried tears of joy because I, my, uh, wife had to run out to the mall for something earlier and I needed, uh, just a, a new pair of plain black leggings. So I was like, Hey, can you pick me up some <laughs> leggings? And they did. And I cried tears of joy because these leggings have pockets. Oh, wow. And they're like decent sized pockets. Like I think I can fit my whole hand in there. Nice. Yeah. Damn. So that's my cry space. That, that, that is worth crying yeah. tears of joy over. I will say. Alex, do you have one prepared? Well, kind of cut off guards. It's the first time we're doing the segment. Um, <laughs> and no one told you. Yeah, uh, but we'll Sorry. <laughs> we'll fix we'll fix that for you know next fortnight. Um, 
Oh, uh, we're playing Fortnite now? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it Twitch on your... TV slash crying in the book club. Maybe in <laughs> our, week, our weekly Fortnite streams. This is my cry space now. This this conversation. <laughs> this conversation right here. Uh, what's my... Oh, hmm. Hmm. Oh, you didn't Should have one. Go ahead. No, I, I had one, and then it. it oh, then we it, talked about Fortnite. It, and... it kingdom went. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you kingdom go to the pole? <laughs> Why don't you come to the polls? <laughs> yeah, I kingdom went to the polls uh, last month. <laughs> Actually, that's my cry space. Is that I? Because I don't think I used this yet. But yeah. uh, my absentee ballot didn't arrive in Colorado until the day of the election, despite the fact that I uh, requested it in like the first week of October. Jeez. And so I mailed it back, but I'm like 99% certain it didn't get counted. So I'm Stop the vote. Stop it. the vote. Stop the vote. And also, I found this yes. hat, which is a hat that is Bidoof that Alex bought me for Secret Santa last year. <laughs> oh. And yeah. in going through all my shit in my parents' house at my dad's behest. I'm glad. I'm glad the doof is back. You gotta take I a got, picture I, of this for the uh, when when you post the episode. So it's so cute. <laughs> it is extremely adorable. Oh, I didn't get my secret Santa as good of a gift this year. <laughs> this really knocked it out of the park. Yeah, it's like how do you how do you even like follow that up? You know. Yeah. Gift yeah. card. Gift card. Uh, my cry space is at the time of this recording. Um, and actually, at the time of this release, the um, Knives Out sequel, Glass Onion, will actually be on Netflix. Jean-Luc keeps getting cuter and cuter as he gets closer and closer to the screen. It's very great. Oh my gosh, this is wonderful. Um, it's like I'm talking to a Bidoof. <laughs> that's the dream. Uh, but the Glass Onion will be out on Netflix, and currently, in the in the year of our Bidoof uh, today, uh, it's out in theaters. I saw it this week, and I didn't like it, so that made me cry, because I was very, no. very excited for it. I also I rewatched the original Knives Out because my parents haven't seen it um, yeah. last night, and I still liked it, but I didn't like it as much as before. Uh, see, it was counters- a, yeah, it's it's still really good. I, I mean, I, I wrote briefly about it on my letterbox. It's still yeah. a very good movie, but it, it it was a little bit more obnoxious than I remembered it being. There, yeah, I, I again, I watched it in preparation for this one, and I liked it. I liked it probably as much as the first one, but I was also like, oh, this is made made during trump being in power this yeah. is like very much like well thanksgiving time but sorry Badoof, <laughs> i won't talk to you about that um this is my, this doesn't is my want to hear about politics this moment right now is my glad space because Badoof's on the thing um, <laughs> on the mic but i'm sorry you didn't like glass onion i'm i'm gonna go see it i think on tuesday so yeah it, it's split right now in the discord because uh, i think roshan liked it i didn't like it and uh i will cast the deciding vote deciding vote to you. I'm gonna double feature it with the menu. I think. Ooh, Ooh get you some Anya Taylor yeah. Joy in. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> Gotta get my my. It's been six months since, babe. It's been six months since a new Anya Taylor Joy movie. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a VTuber that's just Bidoof, or would Pokemon cease and desist? Be- that? So Pokemon would 100 be- percent cease and desist. That. Bidoofer. Hmm. Be doof tuber. A, a, a beat a bidoo tube. Oh, it's be so cl- It's close. It's close. We're almost like, a V doofer. A V doofer. No. If you know the answer, write to us. Yeah. Opinions are cheap at gmail.com. <laughs> yes, absolutely do that. 
And also go watch the cute little animated short that they have about the Bidoof that won the Pokemon League on uh, the Pokemon YouTube channel because it's adorable. Ten out of ten. Uh, and also, if the Pokemon Company were smart, they would have marketed the new game Scarlet and Violet with a Bidoof VTuber doing a playthrough. Yeah, yeah. that game games. did not make enough money so far. It needs to. <laughs> it needs the push. It needs a little jump. Didn't it? Oh wait. Which one? There was one that recently outsold Animal Crossing New Horizon. Ten million in was it Scarlet and Violet? It was Scarlet and Violet. Okay, it wasn't okay. Yeah, it's the biggest console launch any console exclusive of any kind. It's the biggest Nintendo Switch launch. uh, Yeah, which is just funny. It's great. Arceus fans in shambles. (laughs) That's me. I'm Arceus fans. I only made it to the first area in Arceus. I also will play Scarlet and Violet eventually. I'm having fun. I'm I'm almost, sure I'll have fun. Uh, I've almost beat the all the gems. Uh, I'm so excited to be able to take it in any order. I order. found out that I accidentally challenged uh, like a, a, a boss thing like way too fucking early because I was just fucking around and like I was like why is this this fight's really hard why does this thing keep killing all my Pokemon it's like oh because I should have waited probably to try this does it like not scale based on what gym you go to or like the the gym level set and then like you just the gym levels are set I believe oh hmm as are the the levels of the like Titan Pokemon that you uh, are tra- that one of the tracks involves like defeating these Titan Pokemon. It was one of the Titan Pokemon that I ran into that I should have been much higher level. <laughs> well, if you want to be much higher level, a good way to do to gain experience is by following at crying in the book crying book club on Twitter. Uh, and also by following me on Twitter at at Liker. And also following Alex at, at Alex Hanziak, and also following Emily at, at Impandanata, and also listening to Emily's other podcasts, such as Imagine Me in Mutina and The Fresh Podcast Market. And by the time this is out, you are mere weeks away Hopefully. Uh, from, from <laughs> oh God. No, I just, it, it. it is, it is coming out in the new year. I just don't know specifically exactly like when it, like in January, ah. the first episode's dropping, so... Okay. This is so. This is not a. This is not a snot girl situation where it's gonna be twenty twenty five. Well, you know, snot girl best comic of twenty twenty two. Yeah, really? but that that podcast that we're alluding to is that looks terrible, which will be coming. Soon. Yeah. You can follow me on Letterboxd too if you want. Do it. And you I'm should a, rate, a, uh, review and rate us five stars on your podcasting platform of choice. That. That is important. Jailbot Bill on Letterboxd. Oh right, I mind Letterboxd is a different handle. Mm-hmm. My Letterboxd isn't Mountain Dew Liker. <laughs> Uh, but until next time, go find yourself a hat that is as good as this Badoof hat. Yeah, and stay t- you can't see stay it. Stay tuned um, for our. And we'll also, ne- sorry, next week special yeah. show. Oh yeah, and then to kick off, off the, the new year, we're doing a um, best of twenty twenty two. So I, I, best, I believe. Yeah, and by best of twenty twenty two, we don't mean best of stuff that came out in twenty twenty two. No, because nothing. No, why would we say that? Because I'm the only person who has read a comic that's released in the last 12 months on this that's podcast. That's not true. I've read a um, couple. When did the comics podcast stop? Because then that's a lie. January. Lie. That is kind of a lie. It'll be well, a, at this it'll, point. It'll be a truth. Yeah. It'll the be viewers a truth. think you're telling the truth, but yeah, I know you're yeah. lying. 
Um, but yeah, we will be uh, doing a retrospective on the first, well, it's not a full year, but the first six months of crying in the book club and uh, in, you know, end of year fashion, yeah. putting the books that we talked about in an ordered list, yeah. uh, which we all know number one, cause you know, we did talk about the best comic book ever written this year. Holy so. Terror. <laughs> so number one is set, but we, you know, there's, there's some things to discuss potentially. Yeah. And uh, three of our hosts are going to be moving on, but you're going to, they're going to be replaced by three new hosts in January. So stay, stay <laughs> tuned. It's just going to be us in mustaches. <laughs> Badoof hats. Like, By uh, then, the Badoof hat will have spread to my face, and I'll just say "oof." <laughs> Is that what Badoof says? He, just, he says "oof." And we're still gonna say, yeah. "Shut the fuck up, John Luke." count long boxes at my comic book store because i needed to put my comics in them and proceeded to fill them and was like wow i didn't think i was gonna need both of these but a lot i did so didn't you buy more comics while you yes i saw like oh the new issue of night because i don't have a pull i set up here yet because i'm home but i'm like oh there's a new issue of nightwing and then i was like looking at the new issues in the last two weeks that i didn't buy new issues for the new stuff for and i'm like oh okay i should get the books that i'm reading so i left with like probably another eight books heck yeah don't forget you're here forever but it's not necessarily a bad thing <laughs> last issue of nightly was really good so it was worth it i'm glad i saw it there and was like damn I should buy that nice um oh we've been recording okay cool